0: All right, so honest confession, probably it was the age of 25 before I realized I had been singing the wrong words to this song. So I thought people had just been saying uh, bows really weird, and so I thought the song was Deck the Halls with Bows of Holly, and I thought other people didn't know how to say the word bows until I realized the actual lyrics of the song. It's kind of like when people mistakenly sing joy to the world, and it says, and make the nations prove, or I always thought it said rude, And I thought, well, that's a rather strange lyric to put in a song. Some countries, I guess, have a rather rude manner to them. Or what about when people sing jingle bells and it's uh, bells of cocktails ring is what I thought they said. (laughs) And I guess if you're already slurring your words, then the the lyrics really don't matter uh, in general. So we're in this Advent season and we've been working through this series. We've been calling Unfamiliar Christmas Carols and we're re-examining parts of the Christmas stories in new ways. And this week, we're going to sing that famous Christmas carol together, Deck the Halls with Complete Disruption. Uh, for this, we take a look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, He had in mind to divorce her quietly. You know, the life of the ancient peasant was pretty simple and pretty determined. You you grow old enough to learn a trade. You earn enough money to pay a dowry for a young bride. You marry her. You have some kids. You pass on the trade. You faithfully raise your family in the fear of the Lord. And then you die. That's pretty much how life worked for the ancients. Joseph was playing by the rules. He was following the cards that were dealt to him. And then life dealt him a complete disruption. He had kept his end of the bargain, but, but this girl that he had been pledged to marry with had disrupted all this by, in his mind, sleeping around, breaking her vow, and getting pregnant. The marriage would have been drawn up in this deed. An exchange of money would have been paid to the, to the groom and to the husband or to the father, and, and Mary would have stayed with her parents until another year, then the groom Joseph would have taken him into their home. A wedding celebration would last an entire week. Legally, the Mary would be sealed. It was a legally bounding contract in this engagement. But Mary says, I'm pregnant. But it's okay. This is God's child. (laughs) Imagine that conversation, being a fly on the wall when that happened. What would you think? I guarantee it would not be an elevated sense of spiritual understanding. Most of us would be thinking, this lying and cheating woman, who was it? What was his name? And so Joseph is smashed in the face with devastating disruption. He would have had every right, by the law of Moses, to drag this young girl to the center of Nazareth and had the townspeople help him in stoning her to death. Nevertheless, at least the the least he could do was maybe just humiliate her for what she's done to him. Uh, I know a thing or two about disruption. If if you recall our our church at the beginning of 2020, we were in this church-wide strategic growth initiative. We had just wrapped up a series about how we were going to thrive in the new year. We had all sorts of things on the calendar that were being uh, developed, like a couple's retreat, a, a big spring gathering. The Ecuador team had just hosted a fundraising lunch to prepare for our upcoming June 2020 uh, trip. But then, well, COVID-19 disrupted our lives and our church. I can say with great certainty that all of us that have lived through this last 19 months of experience has had our lives disrupted. All of us in some way have had our lives throughout this pandemic disrupted it, whether it's distance from loved ones or daily routines or mode of schooling or vacation plans or method of working or discarded work projects after months of hard work. Then there's been the disruption of things like sickness and sadness and loneliness and isolation and fear and economic uncertainty and death and grief and so much more. But before COVID-19 disrupted our lives, All of us have probably experienced the great frustration and pain of having our plans disrupted. We've all made plans. We've checked them twice and we proceeded down a forward path hoping they would happen. We've made plans for our careers, knowing what we wanted to do, what level of our position that we wanted to ride to. We've made plans for love and for weddings and for marriage. We've charted out courses for kids that we how we wanted to raise them, and the opportunities that we wanted to give them. We've all made plans for the kind of house and cars and clothes and stuff that we want to own. We made plans for the kinds of vacations that we want to take and what we want to do after we retire. We've all charted a course for what we believe to be the values we want to hold and what we think should happen in our world. But what happens when those plans are disrupted by that event, by those people by that unexpected thing? How many times in life have you expected something to go a certain way and it didn't happen in how you wanted it to go? How many times have you seen something happen for someone else and not for yourself and been disappointed and discouraged and angry? As one person put it, expectations are premeditated resentments. Expectations often collide with our jobs job loss and financial struggles and sickness and death and infertility and relocation and infidelity and conflict. And and many of us are not where we wanted to be. And the jobs that we thought we would have with the friends we once had and unhealthy relationships, we might have been a part of a people group that's failed, an organization, a community, a government, an institution. Maybe in our lives we're failing based on what we thought would happen. And often the hopes we have become an illusion for where we really are in our stations of life, and that's a sobering and difficult and often insurmountable feeling of reality. We next have to ask ourselves, how do we respond when our life is disrupted? And I have a video example of one way you can handle disruption. Let's let's play this. You don't- That's one way. (laughs) Well, the best place to start in thinking about how we respond to disruption is what happens to us psychologically and physiologically when disruption happens. Your body is hardwired to react to stress in ways meant to protect you against threats from predators and other aggressors. But such threats are rare today because most of us are not trying to run away from some sort of crazy beast in the wild. But on the contrary, you likely face many demands each day, such as taking on a huge workload, paying the bills, taking care of your family. Your body treats so-called minor um, things as threats. And as a result, you may feel that you're constantly under a feeling of attack. Now imagine what your psychological and physiological response is to such disruptions. For many of us, We just one day to go by where we really shouldn't have to worry about our big plans and big things threatening to us but our body's stress response is it can be very self-limiting at times in disruption once a perceived threat has has passed our hormonal levels actually return back to normal as adrenaline and cortisol levels drop your heart Rate and blood pressure return down to this base level and other systems resume to their regular activities. But when stressors are always present and you constantly feel under attack, there's that fight-flight reaction that that stays turned on in our lives. The long-term activation of these stress responses... And overexposure to cortisol and other stress hormones in our body disrupt our whole body's process of the way it lives and perceives things around us. This puts you at risk for all sorts of health problems, such as anxiety and depression and digestive problems and headaches and muscle tension and pain and heart disease and heart attack and high blood pressure and stroke and sleep problems and weight gain and weight loss and memory and concentration impairment. Our body has this psychological and physiological response when things change in our life. And most of us have some sort of emotional response when things are going well, but each of us has a unique temperament of when things don't go our way. And if this is how we respond psychologically and physiologically, what happens to us spiritually when disruptions occur? Imagine what happens if your theological framework of seeing God as the great controller of everything that happens in the world and our lives when disruption happens. How does that change your perception of God? How does it change your perception of how you believe God works in the world? However, what would truly happens spiritually when, when the big things happen to us? What happens when job loss or death of a loved one or loss of home or marriage or, or uh, irreconcilable differences with children? What happens to your spiritual understanding of life when these things happen? What about our theological framework in which God is the great grantor of all things in our life? What about when God is just a side piece to the pre-existing path that we want our lives to follow? So consider what happens. What is your attitude towards God when things get disrupted? You see, whether we see it or not, most of us have hopes, and dreams that we've projected onto God of how we think our life should be and how life should go. And our faithfulness and approval rating of God is based on whether or not God approves the things that we want to happen in our life. So what happens when life gets disrupted? We have expectations for God, and it it begins to be challenged when life is disrupted in ways that we didn't anticipate. And the mom- that's the moment that Joseph finds himself in right here, right now. This is the moment that often we find ourselves in. This is not the situation, the job, the financial, the station of life, the relationships, the health, the circumstances that I bargained for with God. It was supposed to be a little easier. It was supposed to be a clear path. It was supposed to go a lot smoother than this. What's up, God? what are you doing in my life? Why are you presenting me with these challenges and these difficult people? I thought this was the path we were supposed to go down. See, there's a collision that happens when God's expectations and our expectations occur. And what happens next? So like Joseph, our lives can come to a screeching halt by complete disruption, but let's see what happens in verse 20. When Joseph heard that Mary was pregnant, Joseph intended to divorce her in private, the scripture says. He was going to do at least the honorable option of either stoning her or divorcing her. And that tells us something significant about Joseph's character. But to Joseph, a a messenger of God appeared. And, and, And in this complete disruption of his life, he receives this unimaginable message. And what we can learn from Joseph is what it looks like to embrace disruption with faith and with courage. Joseph had to have profound faith to look beyond the difficult and downright unbelievable nature of this news to trust that God really was bringing God's Son into the world through Mary. And Joseph had great faith that his fiance was not the town floozy, and she was not doing these things as a lie, but she truly was a vessel of God coming to us. And Joseph had to see and believe that God had great faith in him, that God was trusting Joseph to do the right thing and to help bring Jesus into this world. Think about that for just a second. And Joseph chose to believe beyond what he could see and plan. He chose not to let this disruption blind him from this new and life-giving reality, and he had to have the courage to follow God's leadership. And if we can have faith and courage to embrace the disruptions in our life, then we can see imperfectly the beautiful nature of being human. See, moments of disruption are valuable reminders of how much we take for granted, our sense of normalcy, isn't necessarily normal at all. The breakdown of the ordinary forces us to confront ideas and expectations that lie at the basis of understanding our world in the first place. And so much of our thinking about how the world actually works is conditioned to what we have experienced and what we are able to anticipate based on that experience. And as much as we want our life to be perfect, or our lives to be perceived as perfect, Life is messy all the time, and that's okay. Can you imagine the collapsing of Joseph's worldview in this moment? Can you imagine about how out of the messiness of the situation, Joseph began to see the beauty? How to tell that this child born through Mary would take the messiness of people's lives and of society and of religion and of politics, and Jesus would transform them into something beautiful. At times, our desires can blind us from reality. At times, our hopes can cause us not to see and hear something better for ourselves and those that we love. At times, our wants can cover our eyes to small and pivotal moments of faith that will change our lives forever. What hopes we have for our work and our relationships and our marriage and our money and our possessions and our friendships and our church and our faithfulness and our status of people in life, what hopes do you have? And has your fixation on these hopes blinded you from seeing what God truly desires for your life? Maybe something different and new and unanticipated. Have our fixed hopes caused us to see imperfectly our perfect plans? Without faith, Joseph would have forced Mary into the uncertainty of being pregnant and unmarried 14-year-old in a village of a trigger-happy finger to stone heretics and sinners. Without courage, Joseph would have never experienced the blessing of raising Jesus as his son. Without this disruption, Joseph would have never experienced the overwhelming transformation of being part of God's beautiful work in the world. How often do we fail to see the beautiful and the new and the greater reality that God has showed us because we're so fixed on what we think is best and what we want. When I was 10 years old, we hosted some Romanian friends at Christmas. My father and brothers had recently gone on a mission trip to Romania, befriending a a pastor there and a translator. And when my home church decided to host these two men for a few weeks, my parents offered our home for them to stay. So strike one in my book was, in my 10-year-old mind, Uh, was that I had to share my bedroom with my two brothers because they gave up their rooms for these two men to stay in. Strike two, in my mind, uh, was that being told by my parents uh, that my grandparents aren't going to come this year for Christmas because we don't have any extra room for for them because these two other guys are staying there. And strike three was when my parents told me that they're not giving us Christmas gifts this year. And I lost my mind when my parents told me this. See, I've been making Christmas lists for months. On that list that year was Mortal Kombat 2 for Super NES, a Talkboy, a Tiger Electronics handheld Jurassic Park game, the Forbidden Bridge game, a My Size Barbie doll, I mean, um, a, G.I. Joe, a G.I. Joe roadblock in Duke. My parents had, had been uh, justified in that moment to scream at me about how selfish of a child I was being. But instead, my parents used this profound moment to teach me something theologically. And they said to me, there's three reasons of why we're not giving gifts this year. The first reason is to not make it awkward for our Romanian friends who come from so little to see so much excess being given. The second reason was they wanted to teach us that there's so many needs in this world and and, and to deal with how we might be able to give to others in those moments. And the third reason was my parents made a choice that year that the money they would have normally bought with Christmas gifts they were going to present to our Romanian friends so that they could feed their families, clothe their children, and give their kids a good education. And this was the best gift my parents could give us for Christmas. It was a gift that even 30 years later it still continues to shape the way that I live my life and see the world. And this is the last lesson that we should learn from joseph you know upon the first news of mary's pregnancy joseph didn't get it nor did he believe it he was ready to divorce this unfaithful woman but it was upon the second time hearing the news that joseph was able to see what mary said was true through faith and vulnerability he was formed by god into something wiser and more open and more courageous disruptions are moments to be spiritually formed by god These moments should cause us to first look in the mirror to evaluate our impulsive reactions and our emotions and our mindsets when disruptions happen to us. But again, we can be like that lady kicking and screaming like a toddler or we can let the Spirit of God form us into something more patient, something with endurance and courage and a broader vision. At the end of the day, disruptions is a natural part of being human and we can't control nor mitigate how these things happen. But what we can control is how we respond to disruptions. Can you consider a, a greater level of emotional and physical and spiritual response when disruptions happen in your life? Evaluate your life. See how you tend to respond to disruptions. And I might be telling to you that God wants to guide you into something better, into something deeper. Who are you when things go wrong? Do you live in a safe and confined space in which you don't allow yourself to be disrupted at all? And could it be that you're missing out on opportunities for God to shape you and form you into something greater? The invitation from our text is not that God doesn't want us to have plans for our lives. That's not the lesson. Instead, this is an invitation to be open to the possibility of how God is interacting in our lives and in the world. So often, in the circumstances and conflict and people and strangers, there is God speaking in a quiet voice, calling us forward into faith, into something different, into something better. And our openness to these possibilities is an opportunity for God to shape us and form us into something different. Are you depending on God or depending on yourself in those moments? So, may we, in faith, sing this song together deck the halls with great disruption. Let's go into a time of meditation this morning.